It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Hello, hockey fans, and once again, thanks for tuning in to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. You can always find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. I'm Mark Warner. As always, Chris Lisa, my co-host. This week, we got a very special guest, Scott Lowe. We're going to talk about the team with the best record in the National Hockey League. We've been trying to get a Washington Capitals contributor on for quite a little bit now, and lucky enough for us that Scott was Scott was able to cut some time out of his schedule to hook up with us before... I guess we got a head-to-head going tonight, boys, huh? Caps Isles? Is that what we're looking at here? <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna try and bust this out real quick. Let let them get a uh, get get to watching what they what they cover here. Scott, thanks again for for joining the show. We really appreciate your time. Oh no problem. Glad to be here. And you guys, if, uh, you guys, Capitals fans, or just want to read some good content about the hottest team in the sport. Only 10 regulation losses so far this year. You can find Scott at Beltway Sport. And I think, did you get your, you, you mentioned uh, in one of the emails prepping for the show, you had a couple articles you were trying to get up. Did those get posted? Um, yeah, it's a pretty time to get to me with my, in my real life. Uh, I, I'm actually an assistant at my director at Oral University in Maryland. And we're overlapping the sports season. So our basketball teams are winding down and we're starting up a cross and, top 10 lacrosse team and we host John Hopkins on Saturday so I haven't been writing as much as I would like but I did just post something this week um, kind of a, an interesting a little bit of reminiscing about um, Peter Bondra 12 years ago when, when at the trade deadline when he was traded for Brooks Like and um, you know Brooks Like's been with the Caps ever since he's become kind of a fan favorite and a staple in the lineup for the last 11 years played 700 games I think or something like that and uh just we're kind of pondering with his, with his big salary and Mike Richards coming on board. I kind of just posted a little piece that, you know, Mike was acquired for Peter Bondra and he's become a fan favorite now, although he may not have been when he was picked up. And, you know, if the Caps did get an offer, you know, his, his salary of 4.5 being a fourth line player right now is high, but he is a, a great penalty killer, a good all around solid acquisition, a veteran leader in the locker room, you know, with a team that has an injury. Uh, to a veteran who thinks they might need, need another piece, you know, would the Caps be able to move him, um, you know, and, and probably pick up some of his salary, but would they do that for somebody who's been with the team this long and the chemistry is so good, but they've kind of got a logjam when Jay Biggle comes back? Um, so it's just kind of an interesting question. If, if they could move some of that salary, would they consider moving a guy like that, even though the, the team's doing so well? And just kind of posted that. I, as a fan, I hope they don't, because uh, I'd like to see the guy stick with them if they were able to, you know, accomplish the unthinkable and actually win it this year. But, um, you know, it's a business, too, and to, to open up a couple million dollars on that cap and, you know, a $4.5 million fourth line of six points isn't the world's greatest investment. And it's kind of an interesting thing to consider for Caps fans coming up on the deadline when nobody thinks they're going to do anything right now. It's funny you mentioned Mike Richards. 
signing and also too expensive fourth line player in the same sense that kind of directly led to him ending up and you know long story short obviously but a too expensive fourth line player uh kind of a parallel to what he was going through in la and being a king's fan myself um i felt the same way that um, whatever happened with with the team and the salary cap and you know whatever went on uh Personally, with him, I, I was sad to see him go. I, he's a direct reason why the Kings won their first Stanley Cup, I believe. And yeah, and you, and you look at him coming to, to the Capitals organization. You know, you've got for the first time ever, you've got people in this locker room who have won Stanley Cups with Justin Williams and Brooks Orpik. Um and, and now you've got Williams, who uh, you've got um, Richards, who's won too. Um, just there's some intangibles there that. You know, you're looking at right now when Deagle comes back, you got Mike, you got Mata, Michael Lada, looks like, you got Mike Richards, um, you know, all looking at the fourth line. Marcus Johansson's been tearing it up on the third line, so I don't see him putting Deagle back into the third line. Um, you've kind of got right now four guys for three spots on the fourth line. It's great to have depth. You need depth. Somebody's going to get hurt 100%. Uh, going through the playoffs if you're making a run, but... You know, if somebody would take that salary, I hate to say it, but, you know, from a business standpoint, it would make great sense for Washington moving. I just don't know what the price tag is or what happened. They would definitely have to pick up a large chunk of the salary. But also, you know, having Richard in the locker room is, is, is a big thing, you know, as far as the, the experience of winning the Stanley Cup. Has, uh, see, that's kind of a parallel with what Dallas is going through, one of the hottest teams in the West is that they, in the offseason, picked up Patrick Sharp and Johnny Oduya and also Anthony Emma, who some people might not remember, won a Stanley Cup with Chicago as well. And I put, I put a big a big uh, chunk of what I think a team's as to what they have in the locker room. And one of that, obviously, with, with Brower and Ward leaving and bringing in Ocean Williams and now now here later in the season bringing in Mike Richards, um, Having having that experience in the locker room, I, I think obviously is is propelling Dallas forward, and and your 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 feeling is that that make that's going to make a big difference in the room and in a playoff run this year is what I'm reading correctly. Yeah, I think I mean I, I'll tell you the biggest surprise. I mean everyone was thrilled to pick up Justin Williams just because of the playoff experience. But being on the East Coast and not having seen him, seen him consistently in a few years, you know, I for one, and I, and I, I think a lot of people are really surprised that just uh, the overall game that, that he has. I mean, he, does, he, he kills penalties. You know, he's on the power play. Sometimes he's on the first unit. Sometimes on the second unit. But, man, he, he competes every night. Like a guy that's been in the league that long that just brings maximum effort every night and you see him, he, he, you know, he gets picked off with the officials, you know, in, in a game that might be, you know, a three or four to goal, four goal game. He gets a penalty call, the Caps get a penalty call, and he's, he's ticked with the officials, and he gets competitive and hates to lose, and you can see why a guy like that has just had that success within a team formula, um, and, and they've been a leader and just been a great, you know, pressure playoff performer, and, and I, I, I think, you know, he probably doesn't get the notoriety, but his his signing might have been bigger than Oshie just in terms of the overall impact on the team. Well, one thing about a Coach Sutter team is if you don't bring that tenacity and grit and competitiveness every night, then you'll be watching from the press box. So <laughs> that's uh, I can yeah, I, sure. I, I can tell you that right now that uh, uh, my guess is that Kevin Gravel is not going to play tonight from that. Uh, 
I'm sure you remember the game-winning goal against the Kings the other night. He, the puck was loose on the on Jonathan Quick's left-hand right. side. Gravel leaves his right defenseman side, tries to go behind Quick in the net to get to that puck. And yep. who picked it up? Justin Williams. Flipped it around behind the net, out front, game-winning goal. Um, pretty sure Gravel's not going to be in the lineup tonight after making that kind of a mistake. <laughs> but uh, just... Uh, uh, Teddy Nolan's kid, Jordan Nolan, uh, earlier in the season, he wasn't consistently competing and on, on fourth line duty. That's pretty much your biggest asset is, is, is to compete. And they were bringing up, uh, Michael Merce came up and played a little bit. Uh, A couple of the rookies had a little bit more playing time with Jordan Nolan watching from the penalty box. And he's, he's been on both Stanley cup teams. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear you say that about Stick, as they called him, or uh, he he hates the nickname Mr. Game 7, but I believe that guy's <laughs> earned it, if anybody has. Um, Chris, I know you had a couple of, I mean, we're, we're sitting here doing the Kings reminiscing. Uh, I, know you, I know you had some questions you wanted to jump in with, Chris. Go ahead, man. Yeah, actually, my first one was on just the wins, and uh, Scott talked about it a bit, but... I think a big asset, uh, and any time will tell, Scott, that, you know, the Capitals have been, you know, a, a high quality team, you know, for a while now. Really, really, uh, I think for most of, uh, the organization's uh, time in the NHL, it's just, they can't seem to win a key game to get them out in recent times, the first round or the second round, sort of last year, right? Um, how much do you think that Justin Williams is, is effect with the other guys is going to help make this team believe that, you know what, we came so close and, and, and in my opinion, should have beaten the Rangers last year, that we're going to get the key, key goal and be able to move on? I think that, I mean, I think it's huge to bring that experience and that leadership in the locker room and, and you can see that he's comfortable because just the way he does lead um, and the way he does compete. Um, and he just fit right in. I mean, you wonder sometimes a guy comes in like that and you know he's going to be respected right away, but he's just like one of the guys now from what, you know, if you watch him kind of interact in the locker room and, and on the ice. Um, I, you know, I think that the win against the Islanders last year, and I hate to bring that up <laughs> with you guys, but <laughs> I think getting, getting over that seventh game hump, that first round, you know, there's kind of a uh, a little bit of a, a misnomer in that the Caps have been a first round swap. Over their history, they certainly have that reputation. But they, you know, they've advanced to the second round a few times in the Ovechkin year. They haven't gotten over that hump. But I think I think right. for winning that winning that game seven um, and, and the way they did, they came from behind a few games. They battled through adversity with with Grubauer playing the one game instead of Holtby when Holtby was sick. Um, you, you know, it's a team that is much more mature, and when you look at um, defensive responsibility, obviously Barry Trotz brought that to the team, but, and we talk about changing the culture and buying in, I mean, they've all clearly bought in. It's not one through six, you know, three of the defensemen this year for a good part of the year with Brooks Orbeck out for 40 games have been Taylor Torney, you know, Nate Schmidt, and, and Dmitry Orlov, who are, are all young guys. Uh, I guess Torney's not really young, but maybe only 130 games of NHL experience. You know, those aren't household name defensemen, but you're still leading the league or second in the league in goals against because of the system and the buy-in from the forwards. And that's 
that that defensive mentality combined with the skill and a guy like Justin Williams rubbing off on the two skill guys he plays with. I mean, the goal that you guys were, uh, that you referred to earlier against the Kings the other night by Kuznetsov, you know, Kuznetsov scored a lot of pretty goals. Burakovsky's a skill guy. That was a grinded-out shift, and they just got it in deep, and they, 100%. they fought and battled, and, and they got a goal. And those are the things that the Caps didn't used to do, and those are the things that a guy like Wayne Springs, I mean, if you look at Oshie on the first line, he's got great skill. He's got a pretty good burst. You know, good shot, great, great offensive ability, but he also battles and he creates space. And that combination with Ovechkin and Baxter, we've never had that before. They've had skilled guys up there who maybe weren't as skilled and didn't bring much else to the table. And then they tried some guys who are less skilled up there and, and really couldn't keep up. But now they got a guy who creates space, and if Baxter floats him a beautiful pass, he can finish. He's not going to bounce. It's not going to bounce off a stick and. You know, those types of things, the leadership and kind of rubbing off the defensive mentality and the culture change and then, you know, really finding a guy who can play on the first line and, and, and keep up with those guys. Um, it, it's just, it, it's a good situation right now. I was concerned going into the season a little bit with the defense, with the young guys. And, uh, the injury to Orbit might be a blessing in disguise because a lot of those guys have gotten more experience. Neil Smith now has really become a, a, a second pairing defenseman, um, playing with John Carlson still. Uh, Orpik came back in the lineup and played with Orlov the other night. So, you know, you've gotten some experiences maybe you didn't expect to get with these younger defensemen, and they've all stepped up. Charney was a plus 11. I think Smith's like a plus 12. Um, you know, they both skate. They move the puck. And, you know, for those who haven't seen Nate Smith a lot, uh, he had his ups and downs his first couple years in the league, but um, he's the best skater on the team. Uh, he's the fastest, the smoothest, he moves the puck well, he's got some offensive instincts that he doesn't really use a lot right now because they don't need it. Uh, I think his future is as bright as anybody on the blue line, and it's just, um, you know, you would think that maybe they'd be looking to acquire a defenseman on the deadline, but the way things have worked out, Shorn is your number seven defenseman right now. I think they're pretty much set, um, and just, it's hard to find a weakness at the moment, and, you know, I don't like saying that, I don't want to jinx anything as, as a Caps fan, but it's certainly the best team they've ever had, and, and they, are, they are built for the playoffs where, you know, in the past, they were either lacking scoring or lacking goaltending or lacking a defensive consistency. Um, they kind of have it all now. So, you know, you look at it, try to look at it objectively. They're certainly the best team going at the moment, but then we get back to the playoff history and, you know, can they get over that second-round hump? If they get over that second-round hump, it's almost like you're playing with house money and you can relax and just play the game. And whatever happens, happens. You're not going to be considered a, a huge disappointment. So that that's going to be the big one. You know, it, yeah. I don't I don't see them faltering in the first round this year. But if the, in that second round, all their demons come back, a couple bad bounces, a couple bad goals, and let me let me jump in here center, real quick, Scott. I got to take us out uh, to a break, and we'll be right. Okay, back. no problem. And thanks for coming back with us. I, I hate to cut Scott off because I know he, he where he was going. He's I'm going to let him go right back and finish his point there. Go ahead, Scott. I, I'm just getting, getting to the, you know, the playoff history a little bit, and that, that's kind of where, if you've ever been to Verizon Center, when a couple bad bounces happen in the playoffs and they get behind in the game, it's just the air goes out of the building completely, and I know the players feel that. So, you know, I, I think ho- hopefully if, if they could have a relatively smooth first round and not have to take it to seven games for a change, um, be a little bit rested and get into the second round and play play more relaxed. I, you know, I think they 
they, clearly they're constructed to uh, to have a nice run this year, and still got to do it on the ice, though. And as soon as something goes wrong, all those demons are going to be brought up by the media, and it's going to be in their heads again. Well, I wanted to. You mentioned Boudreaux, and you mentioned what Trotz, uh, with his philosophy, has brought to the team. He's second year there now, right? Yes. How? And I know some of the interim coaches or whatever. How did he get Ovechkin to buy in? And obviously, that when your leader buys in, the team buys in. So how was he able to get Ovechkin to buy into? And you know his goals are down, but I'm not going to say he's less effective on the ice. Um, yeah. st- still plays his physical physical game. But how how did he get uh, Ovechkin 200 feet from his own goal? And when the other coaches weren't able to do that. Well, I think he kind of appealed to Ovechkin's. You know, uh, he's not. He's not young anymore. He's not old, but, you know, you're going on 10 years or so in the league, and your window was only so long. Um, and I think he really, you know, he, he went out of his way. He went out to Las Vegas. He met with him right after he was hired. Um, and basically told him, you know, it, you had problems with Adam Oates. You had problems with, with a couple other coaches at times because you weren't on the ice when the game was on the line. And there was a reason for that. They didn't trust you defensively, um, and that bothered you. You're a competitor. You know, the guy wants to win. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, he he, uh, he loves to play. He loves to compete, but he wants to win, and he's been that way since the beginning. And I think he kind of appealed to, you know, not that time's running out, but it doesn't last forever, and you want to be on the ice with the game on the line? I'll put you on the ice with the game on the line, but you got to prove to me that you're going to do it in both ends of the ice with the game on the line. And I think he also got him to buy into the fact that, you know, strong defensive play creates transition. And in hockey, transition leads to offense. And a guy like Ovechkin, you guys have seen it, when he gets out wide, you know, is he the smoothest skater in the world? No. Is he the fastest? No. But he is fast and he's strong. And he gets you on his shoulder, you're not going to take the puck from him. No. So I think he kind of just sold him on that. You know what? A little more defense from you is going to create a little more offense for you, and it's going to keep you on the ice when you want to be on the ice with the game on the line. And, you know, I think once Ovechkin brought in, the rest of the team brought in. Yeah, I think probably, too, like you said, he's not old, but it comes with uh, comes with maturity. I think I see a lot of, and maybe a couple years ago at the All-Star game and then certainly last year, where you see just the the maturity of Ovechkin himself, um, probably had a lot to do with that as well. You got to give the player a little credit in that too, because he's he's obviously growing. Uh, and man, scary team. We were throwing playoff scenarios around. Um, could it be a worse scenario that Boston squeaks in in the second wild card spot? And we get a, a Caps Bruins first round matchup because I think if the Bruins get in, and we had uh, we had a local handicapper here, Dana Lane, on um, a couple weeks ago, and as far, as far as future bets and and teams to look at at the sports book here, he had the Bruins there at twenty two to one. They're holding the playoff spot, and if they do get in, and if Rask does kind of turn the corner a little bit, um, right. 
that's a team no one in the East is going to want to play. Is that that or right. the other worst case scenario for Washington? Montreal gets in and Carey Price is in. You know, he's played, <laughs> he's he, a fresh. Uh, maybe been playing for two or three weeks, got his game legs back on, and right. now you got a Capitals carry Price matchup in the first round. What would what would be the worst case scenario out of those two uh, that Washington wouldn't want to play? I think. I mean, I, I, obviously, Carey Price is, is the best thing going in goal. Um, but given the fact that he would have, well, yeah, at, at the moment you could say you could argue hope people when Price is on his team. You know, I mean, yeah, best in the world. Hopey, right there with him. The price, price is the proven, um, you know, the proven best at the moment. Um, but you know, I haven't. If he, I, I think I would fear the Bruins more for a couple of reasons. The greatest price is he still would have been, you know, he would have been out for a lot of the season. Um, the Canadians clearly are having some chemistry issues. They struggle to score goals. Um, they're they're. They're okay defensively. I mean, the whole thing with Sudan last night, the turnover, I mean, that was a bit ridiculous. He, he was trying to make a play, and the three guys who came back to the back check didn't do, didn't do much to uh, prevent the goal. But, you know, Markov's getting older. I think the Bruins, the fact that they got enough guys who have made the run before and, uh, and taken it to the finals were one. Um, they've got a pretty good combination of skill. Uh, they got some skill guys with Krejci and Marchand having a great year. Um, they're, they're, they play a pretty defensively responsible game. Very physical. And, you know, Tuka Rask, when he's on his game, is as good as anybody. You know, he's not always on his game, but when he is, he's pretty tough. So if he got hot at the wrong time, uh, you know, guys like Bergeron, great two-way players who can put it in the net and keep you from putting it in the net. Um, like you said, physical. Uh, games with the Bruins and Caps have pretty, been pretty nasty over the years too. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's a Wednesday night rivalry night, but they don't like each other very much. It would be a great series, I think. I think, and so. it would be a tough one. It wouldn't be a slam dunk for Washington. That would be the one that, like you said, if if uh, if they were ever going to get over the hump, I think that beating the Bruins in the first round would maybe be the one that propelled them. Um, out of that right. second round, finally, they would ride such a momentum wave out of that series if they could get past them. I'd, I'd look forward to that. Yeah, they, That's one of my favorite matchups if it ends up happening that way. When, when they knocked the Bruins off a few years ago, um, not many people remember this. They ended up playing the Rangers again, of course, and they were like, the Cats were less than a minute away from winning the series against the Rangers, and Joel Ward uh, lifted somebody's stick, got a four-minute high-sticking call in the last minute, and they gave up a goal to tie in the last minute, and a goal in the, in the first minute of overtime to lose. Oh. Both powered by goals, and they were they were literally a minute from winning that series. So there's been a series of things, but I, you know, the Bruins are a, the Bruins are a good team, and uh, you might say they've been underachieving a little bit, but it seems like they're getting right at the right time. I kind of look at them that they're overachieving based on. You know, trading Lucic, letting Dougie Hamilton go. Uh, a lot of I, I, I had them missing the playoffs rather easily after what they went through in the offseason. Um, I agree with that, actually. I think that they're actually, I've been watching a little more of them now uh, since we talked with Dana about maybe going down to the sports book here, and they're hitting their stride. Aside from that aberration yeah. against the Kings last week, um, uh-huh. They're they're starting to play some really good Bruins brand of hockey right now. Um, that would be a fun matchup in the first round. Chris, did you want to jump in here and uh, get a couple more questions in before we got to go? 
Yeah, I got two quickies here uh, for Scott. Which team in the East do you think uh, would give the Caps the toughest matchup in the playoff series? And the second one is, is, a, is a statement. Is it fair or is it unfair to say that if the Caps don't make the Stanley Cup Finals, don't represent the East, given what they've, uh, how good this team is, this season's been a major disappointment? Um, okay, so first question, team you feel in the East? Um, oh. I'm going to give you, I'm going to go with, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to be too wishy-washy here, but they have not played well against Florida this year. Uh, however, um, I think that in a series against Florida, ultimately, um, you know, the, the Caps actually would have probably more experience in that series. Um, probably a more complete team. I think Florida is still uh, uh, a year or two away from being a real Stanley Cup potential I contender. Um, but I will say the Caps have, put, have really struggled with them this year. So it would worry me a little bit, but I think ultimately over a long series that uh, the experience and the depth of the Caps would prevail. Um, but, you know, just based on history and, and talk about getting over the hump, I mean, I guess you have to say the Rangers. Um, you just got to prove it. You know, you got to beat the best to be the best, and they've only been able to beat them once in all these different playoff series that they've had, and it's been a lot of seven-game struggles and, you know, getting the wind close in your head and getting them out of your head. And, you know, I, I would say that would be the one I would fear just because of history. But I also would say kind of like what you were saying with the Bruins, if they could, if they could win that one, you know, it would probably propel them a long way. Yeah. Um, what, about, what about making the uh, – they don't make the finals. Is it unfair or is it fair to say that uh, this season's been a major disappointment? Given the I would say – yeah, I, I would say you got to get past the second round. Um, it's a very major disappointment. If you don't get past the second round, it's a major disappointment. If you get to the conference finals and lose, it's it's disappointing. But I wouldn't call the season a disappointment because you take it a step further. Um, and, you know, you're still bringing the core back for the next year. So uh, I don't think they have to get to the finals, but I think they do have to get out of the second round or else it would be a major disappointment. The way I look at the East is, real quick, I see, if I was a fan of any team, being a fan of the Islanders, I could see the Islanders, uh, you know, part of the mix playoffs, everything is so tight, being any team in the East, most of being, you know, capable of losing to anyone. Yeah. I, I think it's really a 50-50 proposition. I feel that way about almost, and you can be any Eastern Conference matchup, with the exception of the Capitals. Uh, to me, the Capitals, from everything you've said, is clearly the best team uh, in the East, and you know they have to they have to go do it. They have to kind of run the gauntlet and and get to the finals. If I, you know, in sports you get these windows, and um, not that their window would close, but you see it now with the Rangers. You know, it's quite possible that last year was the you know, maybe the last of that window, which a lot of people are talking right. about right. here. Uh, they're still a good team, but, you know, when push comes to shove and they play a team like the Blackhawks, they're not on that level yet. You know, they're not on no. level four. No. So uh, that's what I would say is you get these windows. So, uh, you know, when you only have, when you're in the middle, past the middle of February, you only have 10 regular season losses. Uh, you know. Um, that's amazing. Uh, I, 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 I yeah, I, I think I think the you know the bar is set that 
And that's obviously, uh, it's not going to be easy to win the Cup, but I think they got to represent the East. That's just my opinion personally. Yeah, I think the encouraging thing is that uh, on the nights that they they haven't been great, it's most nights they've found a way to win. And that's kind of the sign of a great team when you're not on your A game and you still can clear it out and find a way, which was a huge flaw in the Boudreaux teams. Like when they went on their game, you know, they give up six goals. Now, when they're not on their game, they kind of dig in, they kind of get defensive, and, uh, you know, you got, when you got your skill guys scoring grind, grinder type goals to win games late in games, that's a pretty good sign, I think. Yeah, as evidence. And real quick, real quick, I think if we get another somewhere along the line out of the Capital Series, obviously the Capital, I would put the Capital as a big favorite, but uh, I think Scott could attest, uh, you know, both teams played so well in that series last year that, you know, either team could have won. It was a shame to see one of those teams not advance. Well, yeah, it was, uh, I, I like I like the Islanders. I love the way they're constructed, you know. Skill players, solid defense. If, they can, if Grace turns out to can keep playing the way he's been playing and he turns out to be the guy, you know, they got they got size, they got skill, they got speed. I mean, they're, they're a tough team. I, I do not I, I would fear them as well. So, real quick, we're at, we're uh, right up against it again, Scott. I know uh, they everybody can find you at Beltway Sport, and you also uh, when you post your articles, you post at the Hockey Writers, I believe. Is there anything else you want to get out yeah, there? Yeah, that's correct. No, that, that's that's it. Uh, I tried to, uh, you know, like I was saying before, with my, with my real job, where right. I'm the system athletic director in college, and you were just. You know, I, I would write every day if I could. I just don't have the time, but I appreciate that, um, you know, the opportunity to do stuff like this. I love the game. Uh, my son's actually a junior hockey prospect, and uh, hockey is pretty much, if I'm not at work, I'm with my son at a hockey, uh, at one of his games or watching a Cats game somewhere or, or someone else. Well, I'm sorry about that ending. We were short on time, and I had to cut right off. Um, I wish it had gone better, and the audio was cleaner on this segment. But we washed it up and cleaned it up the best we could, and I hope you guys still enjoy listening to it. For Chris, this is Mark, and we're gone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.